Hello and welcome to On the Front Porch with us, your weekly Disney podcast. I'm Tony Pascal. I'm Josh Whitehead, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us this week. We are really excited about this one, Tony. I, uh, I, I think this will be a really good one. Yeah, this week we're going to be talking about The Little Mermaid, uh, 1989, directed by John Musker, Ron Clements, and the music by... Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. Like, yeah. this is the dream team of, like, like great people put together on the top of this movie. Uh, definitely very exciting. I know a lot of people have a lot of, like, strong feelings about The Little Mermaid and uh, sort of what it meant for the Disney franchise. Yeah, most definitely. And especially, uh, you know, Alan Menken just rocks, man. Alan Menken does some of the best music in the Disney world. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, like, <laughs> we're starting to just, like, get our whole team together of, like, who is going to be creating Disney movies for the next, you know, decades. Yeah. Next few decades. So this is like a big deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, want to shout out a quick thanks to Cameron Yao for being on our last episode with Pete's Dragon Drinking Game. Uh, we enjoyed drinking with you. I liked drinking with you in your home. Uh, shout out to Beardy as well. Um, he was also, he was a silent listener in that episode. And uh, thanks to him as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. With that. Uh, we were really pleased this week as well to also have a guest. Uh, it's not a drinking guest, uh, or I don't know, maybe it is. I, it could be. Uh, <laughs> Tony, um, you had a, a really cool interview with one of our friends, Caroline Pittman. Uh, she's a, a friend of ours from uh, our youth back in Nashville, North Carolina, and she happens to be a real-life mermaid. So uh, her thoughts on this movie might provide some uh, some cool uh, discussion. So with that, we're going to put you over to that interview real fast. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have on with me Caroline Pittman, one of my friends, uh, and the co-host of the podcast, Now That's What I Call Podcast. Uh, Hello. Caroline, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am an actual real-life mermaid, but when I'm not doing that, I'm a provider at an in-home daycare here in Portland, Oregon, and uh, then sometimes I work at a science museum, and sometimes I record a very silly podcast that's ostensibly about pop music, but we don't really talk about pop music that much. Yeah, I enjoy listening to your podcast because I'm very much a pop music novice, and it's fun uh -huh. to... Uh, hear you guys give like actual ideas about <laughs> uh, some music yeah. <laughs> and some backstory behind some of it as well. Well, I'm glad you like it. So let's uh, jump right in. I, uh, I have some uh, rapid fire question for you. Uh, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, here we go. First one. What is your favorite Disney film? Uh, I, the Little Mermaid is primed in my mind, but no, no, it's Moana for sure. Okay. Favorite non-Disney film? Uh, Princess Bride. Okay. Favorite Disney princess? Ooh. See, it used to be Belle, but Moana's not a princess, so I'm going to stick with Belle. Okay. Favorite non-Disney princess? Anastasia. Okay. 100%. Favorite tree? Ooh, I should have known that you would ask this question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... 
Right now, my favorite tree is specifically the one that's outside my apartment window because my apartment doesn't get that much sun, but the tree does, so I can, like, look at it, and it looks all nice and beautiful in the sunshine. I don't know what kind of tree it is, but it's that one. All right. Maybe send me a picture. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I'm sure you'll know what it is. <laughs> Given that you have a pop music podcast, what is your favorite thing that goes pop? My favorite thing that goes pop bubble wrap. Okay. When we were kids, I made fun of you a lot for being a cheerleader, something that I now regret. In recompense, <laughs> is there anything you would like to make fun of Josh? Of Josh? Yes, of Josh. I, I'm offering him up. Uh, um, uh, I'm going to make fun of you instead. <laughs> uh, you're, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's funny that you like trees so much because I think you might be like half tree because you're so big. <laughs> I don't think that was part of the deal, but I actually think it was mostly a compliment, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, imagine you are at a restaurant. Uh, it isn't busy. You're with an acquaintance, okay. and you still don't have silverware. The silverware is nearby, but you have to get up. What do you do? Um... If it's in, like, a common area, I would just get up and go get it. But if it's in clearly, like, a server's workspace, I would probably just wait for a server to come by and ask for silverware. Okay. All right. Uh, I've got two more. Could you first okay. please sing your favorite Disney song for us? My favorite Disney song? Um. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm just going to sing. Oh. Oh, of course it's poor unfortunate souls. Um, don't underestimate the importance of body, body language. language. Ah. <laughs> it wasn't singing, but it was important. It's pretty great. But I do that. <laughs> okay, last question. Uh, on your last podcast, your co-host called us called our podcast title Sad. Thoughts? <laughs> um, well, in my defense, well, it's not really my defense. In his defense, I did tell him the wrong name of the podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's m totally my bad. So he probably got the wrong impression. The, the title that I told him probably was sad, but yours is good and not sad. Uh, okay. I, uh, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I actually really like it. Like, no matter what Adrian says, it's very, like, homey feeling you know it's like oh come sit with us on the front porch and we'll talk about disney films it's nice it's also I like it i think it's fair i actually think this is something that we didn't i wasn't planning to talk about but we have probably needed for a minute to like talk about where that title comes from because it's like a disney song that's like not well known is it old it's like pretty old it's called on the front porch like with you uh Mm -hmm. And it's like a like a really awesome song, so we like sing it a lot, and so like oh yeah, it's just like a fun and it like it does also like feel good like a podcast like where you'd want to like sit around mm -hmm. and hang out kind of thing. That's nice. I like the origin of of the name from our podcast. We just stole the name of the albums we were going to talk about and put the word podcast in there. Uh, but it's maybe more clear. <laughs> yeah. So we, the reason we had you on, obviously, is because uh, there aren't a lot of mermaid voices who are uh, talking about this film from, like, a mermaid standpoint. We want to make sure that we were getting, like, uh, a good, like, representation of right. the film. And also, like, if there were any mermaid, like, inside jokes we were missing out on. Um, 
first of all, is, is Portland a good city to live in as a mermaid? Is it like mermaid friendly? It's pretty mermaid friendly. There are a lot of like mermaid types walking around. Now the Willamette River is not something you want to swim in. <laughs> so you do have to drive to get to some fresh water. But you know what? It's it's workable. I can live here. Cool. I feel like yeah. So so uh what a f- free spirits. <laughs> From your perspective, like just are there just things that jump out at you when you're watching this movie uh, from a from from your perspective that like maybe the rest of us don't see? Let's maybe start with something like like maybe a joke or something that that maybe we wouldn't have got. A joke. Oh, well, okay, you know, Scuttle, Mm -hmm. he's a he's a pretty well-known fence. He's kind of a criminal and she's just like hanging out with him and all everybody is like why does she hang out with that criminal bird and she's like part of the He's royal lying. family that's like a scandal right yeah i know <laughs> the princess is hanging out with this bird criminal and he's just telling her weird lies about what forks are like he knows what they are obviously he knows what forks are he's just like he thinks it's funny to to mess with her head cuz she doesn't know anything cuz her dad is such a human bigot he he is he is for sure a bigot. Uh, <laughs> so let's like let's dive in. I uh, I hear I I hear you have some problems with casting. Oh yeah, so I mean it's pretty much like any above ground Hollywood movie, you know, like they the pe- mermaids are like this come in all shapes and sizes, just like people do, and yet we only see size two mermaids and then big buff dad. And that's it in this movie. So there's not a lot of, like, fat representation. Not even, like, regular-sized. Well, that's... Fat people are regular-sized, too. But there's not any anybody over a size two, maybe a four. And, like, you know there's fat mermaids swimming around. Yeah. Just out of frame. Yeah, definitely some exclusion going on. <laughs> with Maybe when they make the live-action version in, like, three years, it'll better i don't know is that is that a real true thing that's happening or just something that will probably I happen just assume it's gonna happen i don't yeah <laughs> i don't love the live action reboots <laughs> it's just like i mean they know how to make money they're just gonna go through every single one of their their animated movies and then make live action ones and they're gonna make bank on it so i realized earlier that i uh i made a segue that was really funny, but I did uh, pronounce it. So I'm going to say it again. Let's dive in okay. uh, on oh. this question. <laughs> uh, so are mermaid societies, I know this is like set in like the 1700s, are mermaid societies still uh, set up with like a monarchy or like is it their democracy now? What's what's the deal with that? It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty much anarchy. Like there's <laughs> is one specific group that lives in like around the Pacific trash vortex that just kind of does whatever. <laughs> like those are the wild ones. And then everybody else just kind of self-regulates at this point. <laughs> it's, it's like Mad Max out there, huh? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely like the crust punk mermaids live in all the trash vortexes. And then there's like the more like the chill ones who just kind of like have communes together. <laughs> this is 
excellent, and I want everybody to picture a updated version of this movie that looks like Mad Max and like with comedy <laughs> and like it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, and maybe they like maybe instead of cars, it's like obviously it's dolphins, so they're just riding dolphins really fast. <laughs> They have those like dolphin chariots. The like yeah. mermaid society seem to be like the best like low emission compared to us at least. Like they're they're yeah. taking up all the trash and we're like we're not We're just well we give them all the trash to make their vortexes. You're welcome, mermaids. Oh yeah, I guess this is a positive net positive for them. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't have a trash compound if we didn't throw trash into our oceans. Well, that's really sad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I have a sort of personal question. Okay. Um, So fish lay eggs and humans have live births. Uh, How are mermaids born? I think it's got to be an egg situation just because of the way that their bodies are constructed. But I feel like they probably have hospitals of a sort, like incubators. Mm. So I would assume that mermaids have evolved to lay far less eggs than fish do because the parents are going to be there to care for them and they have some sort of, you know, technological advancements to keep the the babies alive. So probably, like, you're going to lay two or three eggs and get one to two babies out of it is what I'm thinking. And you've got, like, an incubator situation. I love it. I love that you went deep into, like, the evolutionary history of mermaids. <laughs> that actually that speaks really well to my sensibilities. <laughs> yeah, I thought you would like that. <laughs> um, so another question I had, and I think, like, most people who watch this movie have, mm-hmm. and maybe you could help us clear it up before we even get to it. Okay. There's like this giant gaping plot hole in The Little Mermaid where her voice is taken, but she she doesn't write any notes to anybody explaining what's happening. Right. And so like and we not we saw that she signed the contract with with Ursula. And so like the question is, why the fuck doesn't she just like like write a note to anybody else. Like does she does she only know how to write underwater? Like what the hell is going on? Well, maybe she knows like maybe she's not fully literate. So she knows how to sign her name, but maybe she didn't. I mean, I don't think she read that contract. You know, I don't know if she has the the literacy to write out what is happening to her. And I also think maybe like She's she wants to be a human, so she and she does she wants him to fall in love with her, right? So she's not going to be like, "Hey, I'm a mermaid, and I signed a contract with an evil witch so that you would fall in love with me," because that is going to send him screaming in the other direction. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that. I like I can see the second argument. I don't buy the first argument. She has excellent penmanship. She, you're right, <laughs> and she's the king's daughter. If anybody's literate, it's going to be her. She, exactly, she, like, she, like, fucking wrote the Constitution or something. I don't know. She, like, helped, <laughs> help. Maybe she didn't start, read, write this Constitution. She definitely didn't read the contract. I agree with you there. Uh, she's a she's a teenager, but she does have excellent right. penmanship, and I think that she definitely could write 
and for some reason chose not to. Yeah, I just think like how do you how do you tell somebody that? Like I am actually a mermaid. I just grew these legs 2 days ago. Nobody would believe her. Well, she wouldn't even have to do that. She just needs to write like kiss me and the spell will be br well, she doesn't even have to write that part. Just kiss me or something like that. Yeah, that would have been oh, that would have been a move just to slip him a note that says kiss me. That would have been a, that. a strong hint. <laughs> that would have been a... I would want to watch that movie, too. <laughs> a very... Like, be little a little Mermaid more with explicit. some more agency. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But she would be like a real 16-year-old. She would, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the movie we should write for the live, uh, live update. Yeah. Oh, man, like a real, like, not idealized, like an actual shitty teenager Ariel. <laughs> well, she doesn't have too many of, like, the shitty teenager sort of vibes. She has, like, sort of, like, the, like, like cringeworthy moments. But she doesn't have any, like, oh, fuck yeah. you, Ariel kind of moments. Which is, I guess, because we're supposed to like her character. Yeah, we are supposed to like her. She does have just, like... Uh, she, a hoarding problem where she just collects human trash and keeps it in a cave somewhere. That's a weird thing that I feel like a teenager would do. That is like a weird teenager thing, like kind of like uh, like a weird grunge She's getting obsessed or with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she, I feel like maybe she knows that a lot of it is trash, but she likes that. <laughs> She does like thingamabobs. She has 20. She has 20 of them. <laughs> she really only needs one. And she, I think, like, deep down, she yeah. knows. <laughs> it's just wasteful She's getting to have all 20 her, of them. She's getting it from her thingamabob dealer. But I think also, like, she might be the only one in her society that's, like, preserving these shipwrecked artifacts, you know? Because King Triton's in charge, and he is not down with humans like he got so mad when he saw that she had all that stuff so i feel like nobody else is really cultivating an appreciation for these artifacts and little, the little mermaid is just like preserving history Ooh. she's a historian she's a scientist interesting like later on that like that that cove becomes like a museum exactly once king triton has been deposed and science is allowed again well anarchy science uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also, while you were talking about that thought, is there a different king in the Pacific Ocean or in like another part of the Atlantic Ocean? Is it King Triton? The oh, I think so. You don't. There's got to be multiple kingdoms. Right. Like, uh, what? Like, so King Triton is like one name. Like, isn't Poseidon the name of of uh, like the same sort of like? Figure? Yeah. I, th I think they might be cousins. Interesting. In this yeah, game. I don't think, I think that might be a real thing, though. I think they're related, but Poseidon and Triton aren't the same person in the in mythology. But I might also be making that up. Well, uh, you are the authority here, so <laughs> <laughs> we're going to just take it uh, as a uh, yeah. fact. Quick question, what do mermaids eat? Um, mm, well, some of them definitely do eat fish, but it's, like, kind of a lot edgier mm. than it is. Because, I mean, like, because humans, you know, eat cows and goats and pigs, but 
not a lot of them are interacting with those animals on a daily basis. And they definitely don't talk And so I to feel us. like... Right, exactly. How many... I was wondering how many of the fish, like, talk. Because we know Sebastian is a crab who talks, and then there's flounder. But there's got to be some, like, less fish. Like, you know, fish who are just dumb fish instead of, like, pet companion fish. You think? That... The, like there's like the whole fish think, orchestra that like all talk like all the seabirds right. to talk too. The only animal in this you're whole right. movie that doesn't talk is that one dog, Max. Oh yeah, and I think, but I feel like if it there's somebody who understands that dog. There is. It's just not. It's just not Eric. <laughs> I, I mean, they probably do a lot of like seaweed. Seaweed's got a lot of good vitamins and minerals in there. And maybe, I don't know, what do you think about, like, because the scallops are are personified, too. Even, like, mollusks are, yeah, they, have personalities. They must, like, just, like, lick algae off rocks or something. Yeah, they're vegan, <laughs> for sure. Cultivating their, like... I mean, they've probably, like, yeah, they've probably figured out a way to make, like, tofu out of seaweed and stuff. Yeah, it sounds delicious. Uh-huh. <laughs> sounds gross. So, speaking of, like, s- s- animal companions, uh, flounder is clearly not a flounder. Uh, right. Do you think that, like, all of these a- animals, underground, underwater animals, like, have, like, ironically named names just, like, be funny? Or, like, do they have, like, identity, identity crises? Do they, like, are they, like... Uh, Hmm. Is there some sort of, like, That's, decision, like, I'm going to be a flounder, or are they just, like, named that, like, funny? May, well, maybe he was named Flounder because he's not exactly capable, you know? So he, like, flounders around. Oh, that's a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know, because he clearly is not a flounder. But, like, there's in the Under the Sea, like, he names all those different fish, including the pretty racist depiction of the blackfish. Oh, yeah, yeah, And... Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's... We're gonna go... We're gonna go into that for sure. <laughs> um, but so he... Most fish... Most other fish that they name seem to have names that correspond to what species they are. But maybe Flounder is just, like, doing his own thing. Interesting. Maybe he was named something that he hated, but he always kind of wanted to be a flounder. Like, he thinks they're cool, so he adopted that name himself. He totally would think flounders are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Flounder. They're not cool. He's just so... Such a little goofball. (laughs) He is. (laughs) All right, so my last question for you, and I definitely want to say, before I say it later on, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. This has been, like, so much fun and uh, definitely insightful. We'll definitely have you on again uh, for maybe, like, uh, non-mermaid sort of insight as well. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I would love that. Um, But uh, my last question for you is, uh, who is your favorite character in in this movie and why? My favorite character in this movie might have to be uh, Scuttle. That's his name, right? I said it earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the fence, the criminal bird. Because I just, I love that he, he's like, he's so, he's just lying to this little girl about what human artifacts are. <laughs> and he, it's just so funny. 
That is... And also... Oh, go ahead. And also Ursula. Ursula is definitely a badass. She is... Right. She has the best song. She has the best lines. Mm-hmm. I love Ursula. I, uh, I also think Scuttle's really funny, and when he sings at the end of the movie, is like, always makes me laugh. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I wish I could do it. Aaron can do it really but, well. My girlfriend can, but I can't do it. I can't do it very well. You, those, <laughs> those perfect. <laughs> well, thank you again beautiful. so much. And uh, I will uh, definitely uh, try to call you back and see if we can get you on a different film. Yes, I would love to do that. It was so nice to talk to you, Tony. Tell Josh I said hi, okay? Yeah, absolutely. If uh, if our listeners want to find you, where can they do that? They can find me on Twitter at SparklesBob, and then they can find me on iTunes at Now That's What I Call Podcast. Okay. Thanks, Caroline. Yeah. Thank you so much. And again, we want to thank Caroline for, for being with us on uh, the show, we really appreciated having you. And I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed that she didn't make fun of me and made fun of you instead. Yeah, I mean, like, I kind of, like, set myself up for that. I, like, I told her, <laughs> I'm sorry for the times that I, like, I uh, I made fun of you, so you get to make fun of Josh. Yeah. And she she took that opportunity to sort of make fun of me, but sort of compliment me. So uh, she I'm not going to be mad tree-like. about tree like. How is that giving you a compliment? I love trees. I don't know. I don't understand what your question is. Yeah, but you're freakishly I, tall. I don't mind being tall. <laughs> None of these things are bad. <laughs> well, nonetheless, thank you to Caroline. Uh, I appreciate you making fun of Tony instead of me because he's unbared. Uh, so, a couple of things about your interview I wanted to talk about uh, before we got anywhere else, before we did the trivia. Uh, a, yes, um, Triton is uh, Poseidon's son. You guys, uh, you guys talked about that. Triton is the son of Poseidon, and actually so is Ursula. Ursula is also Poseidon's daughter. So, they're, they're related. Oh. They're brother-sister. Um, and, oh, interesting. Yeah, there, there's more to that story uh, that maybe I'll talk a little bit about during the, the movie about like why she was banished and things. Um, the other thing that you guys talked about was that uh, there were a couple of animals that don't talk. Shark also doesn't talk. Um, you guys mentioned that Max the dog was the only animal that doesn't talk in this movie. But, um, well, the shark might talk, but just was like in a I'm going to eat you sort of mentality at the moment. Maybe. Like, he could talk. I don't know. For all we know, Max could talk, too, and he was just in a I'm a dumb dog um, mentality for the entire movie. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the next thing that I noticed that I wanted to talk about was that Ariel is is totally a hoarder. She She's, like, um, she she is a full-on hoarder during the, the beginning of this movie. Like, I, I, I imagine the show Hoarders coming to her little cove and, like, throwing stuff away and her, like, freaking out like she did when her dad blew stuff up. Uh, you can't touch that! That means something to me! Um, I really like that, <laughs> that area of your discussion. And the last thing that I thought was really funny about your discussion was um, the idea of, like, crunchy vegan mermaids. <laughs> 
I just I love I love the idea of like mermaids being like, "Hey, merman, you want to go to to Whole Foods? Got to get some uh, got to get some pasteurized cheese." Dude. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Thought that was really, really funny. I, I would love. I also like that your like idea of like, of like, <laughs> hippie is pasteurized cheese. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> what what, the fuck? Whatever. Like, um, I, I have to have, <laughs> I have to have uh, a very specific kind of almond milk. Um. <laughs> uh, anyway, if that offends any of you crunchy vegan mermaids out there i'm sorry uh so <laughs> that's all the notes i had but i we again we really appreciate you coming on caroline it was a it was a really funny interview uh it was yeah. it was definitely a lot of fun <laughs> to to talk to you uh i am so glad that we got to do it and we definitely will have you on again yeah and again for any of our listeners that uh enjoyed that interview and we we want to get you to listen to her podcast as well tony what is it one more time, it is, now that's what I call podcast. And they talk about uh, each successive, like, now volume. So, like, they just did volume 44, so their next week will be volume 45. They're in, like, 2012 now, but they, like, the beginning of the podcast is, like, way back at the beginning of the now CDs. Right. Uh, so, go listen to that. It's, uh, it's actually really funny. You guys would enjoy it, I think. So, with that... Uh, I've got a couple of really cool trivia questions for you, Tony. Alrighty, I'm listening. Okay, so first of all, um, this one's not a question, but uh, this is Ben Wright. Uh, this is his last film that he, he ever was in. He's the guy who played Grimsby, the, the manservant. Um, he died mm -hmm. uh, three months before this movie was released of brain cancer, and he's known through Disney for a lot of other roles. He was in Jungle Book. He was in... Um, a couple other ones uh he, he's just a really iconic character uh, throughout disney and so this was his last film before um uh, before he died uh tony the mm -hmm. um character of eric was played by christopher daniel barnes based on okay. his voice how old do you think he was when he played eric maybe 25 no, he was actually only 16. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, like, he's got a really old-sounding voice in this movie, I know. but it's, He does? Yeah, he was only 16 when he recorded this. Uh, did, did he do other stuff after that? Yeah, he went on to do a couple other things. Um, Tony, the character yep. of Ariel is based off of an actress. Do you know who that actress is? Uh, red hair? No, she doesn't have red hair, uh, but she, she, oh, her, like, her face and personality is based off this person. Um, is it, like, Marilyn Monroe or something? Nope. Uh, who is it? They actually built this character based on Alyssa Milano, uh, who uh -oh. you may know as Phoebe in Charmed. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah. So oh, man, I love Charmed. I was rewatching it recently. Yeah, so. I was too. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> this was the the first movie to win, or the first Disney movie to win an Academy Award since The Rescuers in 1977. 
Um, mm -hmm. And the one before that, the most recent before, The Rescuers with Bedknobs and Broomsticks in 1971. Um, it, uh, Little Mermaid won for Best Original Score and Best Original Song. Um, it, uh, it would lead the way for the next four Disney movies, not including Toy Story because it was Pixar. But uh, the next four Disney movies to be made would all win Best Original Score and Best, best Original Song. Um, Alan Menken, yeah. Howard Ashman, <laughs> because Alan Menken is the man, um, and Howard Ashman. Let's not let's not diss on Howard. Okay, he's fine. a badass yeah. too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, the The next question that I have is Tony, uh, Merman, uh, Triton, and Ariel, and and Mer people are one type of mythological creature, but Ursula, though related, uh, both by blood and in, in mythology, is not the same kind of mythological creature. Do you know what her mythological creature is called? Octoperson. Uh, no, actually, she, it's called uh, Cecalia. C-E-C-A-E-L-I-A. Cecalia, I guess, is how it's pronounced. But um, it's a, a... Octoperson sounds better. Octoperson, whatever. Also, she's not technically an octoperson because she's only got six legs. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Yeah, but so, th there's argument uh, that because her arms are also legs, I don't know. I don't know if we've ever, like, talked about this on the podcast, but I have, uh, on two separate occasions, dressed as Ursula for, uh, <laughs> for Disney Movie Club, and I think I always had six legs. Yeah. Uh, I just... Never noticed. <laughs> Man, I, I'd assume that that was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I had my nice little corset. I would say body language a lot, and that was pretty great. <laughs> so, uh, Tony, my, my last huh? question for you uh, is the, uh, the daughters. There are seven daughters. Okay. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if you can name... Four of them, you win. Not including Ariel. So four of the other six. What? Okay. Four of the other six. Okay, I remember Aurora. Nope. Or it's like Aquata. Aquata is one of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing, bro. <laughs> uh, okay. A part of me was like, I'm going to write this down. But then I was like, no, no, Josh has got trivia. I don't need this information. <laughs> yeah, I did. I wrote them down. Uh, it's Ariel, who has a green tail. Atina, who has an orange tail. Alana, who has a violet tail. Aquata, who has a blue tail. Arista, who has a red tail. Adela, who has a yellow tail. And Andrina, who has an indigo tail. So they create Roy G. Biv. Ah. Yeah. And what kind of tail does Triton have? Uh, also green. Ah, uh, okay. That's why Ariel's the favorite. And she's the youngest. Yeah, well, that too. Um, so, yeah, that's the, the bulk of the trivia that I have. I've got some other ones. Um that I'm just sort of going to slip in throughout the conversation. Uh, one of them, actually, I can do here at the beginning, because we're going to start moving towards the movie, is that this movie, of course, is based off of the book um, by Hans Christian Andersen. And mm -hmm. uh, little known, it's also uh, based off of, afterwards, The 
it's based off an opera that was based off of the book. Um, it's a Czech opera by uh, or called Rusalka. It's um, it's like about a mermaid and a man, and they fall in love and yada yada yada. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting little fun fact. Yeah, Czech opera, some of the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I've got some weird little um, what ifs in this movie. Like um, there, there are some people that could have been in this movie that would have changed it drastically, Tony. All right, I'm interested. Let's get to it. Uh, I'm going to say pause this time because I feel like you always get to say pause. Pause. And I want. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you can say it. No, they already paused, Josh. No, I don't think they did. They don't just automatically pause when I say pause. Pause. All right, welcome back. <laughs> uh, so hopefully you watched the movie. It's a great one. It's uh, it's one of those really iconic um, 90s movies, but it was in 89. Um, but it's like right there next to the, the big winners. Uh so Tony, mm-hmm. what are did you pick up any like big themes throughout this movie? Yeah, so my big thing <laughs> throughout this movie is uh, I was just after Ursula talks about body language, I enjoyed just watching Ariel's body language for the rest of the movie. It was actually kind of funny. <laughs> To, like, actually take seriously Ursula's advice and, like, see what Ariel would do. Uh, and she does effectively use body language throughout this movie. <laughs> yeah, moderately effectively. She's not very good at charades. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, like, she is still okay at communicating uh, certain feelings and thoughts. Sure, some, Yeah. Uh, so, Tony, uh, mm-hmm. this intro, first of all, this is, like, my, one of my favorite songs of the movie is, uh, this Mysterious Fathoms Below that they sing on the ship, because uh, it reminds me of a sea shanty, it's that sea shanty feel, and I really like that, um, for those of you that don't know me, I have a repertoire of sea shanties that I sometimes sing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> check that out on our other podcast about um, sea shanties uh, but there's this really weird thing that I noticed in the first scene and that's um, that the the fish that the guy slaps a Grimsby in the face with uh, it's not very animated when he's doing that like it it's just looks like a regular ass fish but then it gets into the water and suddenly it's got these very human eyes and, like, it's acting much more animated. And so, like, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. D- does being out of water make you real? No. Nope. No? Because we see, at towards the end of the movie, we see, like, obviously all the birds are, like, have human eyes and are singing and acting... And we see Flounder come above water and talk. 
well, you, and we see... Yeah, but, like, the, the birds at the beginning of the movie didn't have real eyes, or weren't, like, a real people. But the dolphins were. Um... It's inconsistent, so I'm gonna say no. Okay, it's just weird, you know. It it, it was it was a strange thing for me to notice, but I noticed it and it, it got me. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, it got me. That's how they get you. Uh, <laughs> uh, so they they do the whole like routine with uh, with the the playing of the music, uh, Sebastian's big concert, and. Did you notice, I don't know if you know this, but in the front seat of the concert, it's just like a, a brief second. You can see Mickey, Goofy, and uh, Donald Duck in the stadium. No! Yeah, in like the front row, you can see the, the tops of their heads. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah. Um, they, no, I didn't notice They that. would die, obviously, but um, <laughs> it's still really interesting. Well, at least they got to see a grand performance that got to be played all the way through to the end. Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this scene, we learn that Sebastian is uh, a well-renowned composer, which is important because that's the only thing he does in this movie. Yep. He doesn't have to do anything menial throughout the rest of this movie. He just is a great composer. Yeah. The moral of the story is once you find what you love to do, no one is ever going to ask you to do anything else. (laughs) 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 But he was disgraced, and so is King Triton, uh, because Ariel isn't there! Yeah, she's just off, goofing off, uh, hanging out with Scuttle. Uh, And I know that you and Caroline talked about Scuttle, uh, and I know that she thinks that he's just a heathen, but I have to disagree. I really like Scuttle. Scuttle's like my favorite character in this movie. Like there were moments. Well, she said it was. She said it was her favorite character too. She just says that she, he's a fence. He's a he's a uh, he's a he's a bad guy. <laughs> well, I, not a bad guy. Like, he's a he's a like a dealer. He's a he's a well-renowned thief. I think of sorts. I think that's true. I think that he is. Um, I think that he is definitely a thief, but I th- I don't think that he's un- he's intentionally telling her falsehoods. I think that like mm. he genuinely thinks that these are what these are for because maybe he's seen a comb in the past and he was like that comb uh looks kind of like that fork and he assumed they were the same thing, you know? Um or maybe he saw pasta, them twirling pasta on a fork, and was like, oh, that looks sort of like hair. Um, <laughs> you, you don't know. He's just a bird. Um. <laughs> he, he is a bird. Here's what I will say. I watched the movie after our conversation, and looking <laughs> at the scuttle scene through Caroline's lens is hilarious. I literally laughed the entire scene, thinking that, like, <laughs> when I watched this movie... And Scuttle is just, like, being a fucking asshole, like, lying to this kid. It's way funnier that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he does say at the end, like, have I ever lied to you? I mean, about something important. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that he, that may be a case to be made. That, like, he, he knows he's lying sometimes. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's certainly a case to be made. The the other thing that I I really I found really, really funny and that I wasn't expecting, I'd actually forgotten about this movie, was the Snarf Flat. Um, I, <laughs> I, I smoke a pipe um, occasionally. And so when he said... This is this is called a snarf flat. It's from a time where men would just sit around in silence and stare at each other. That sounds about right. I mean, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that is what what like happened with with smoking rooms. Like they would have pipes and they would just sit there in silence and smoke their pipes. Ah, uh, I thought that was really really funny. Like I got a, a really big kick out of that. <laughs> Oh man, man, that sounds like fun. I want to go to a smoking room. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> so, uh, my next note that I wrote down is why Ariel? Like, why? Why did Ursula be like? She just happened to see Ariel going back home, and in her little bubble, and suddenly it's like that one. I, he's got seven daughters, but that one is the nearest to me, and therefore that's the well, one. Well, she's go the after. most. She's the most like outside the mainstream. Get it? Stream mainstream. Boo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so she's easier to pick off, right? So, like, she she's like easier to like. She's first of all younger, so like more gullible. Yeah, and also like, she's more like outside the mainstream, so they're able to like. She's able to like kind of uh, more easily goad her. I mean, I guess I I think the main reason that I picked up was that she's the only one that really leaves the palace to begin with. Um, That's true too. Um, she is she is not uh, captured by the like the love of palace intrigue in any way. Yeah, and I think that's probably the reason. But you know, like you have to think that. She's been banished for quite some time. Like, it, it had to have been a good long while that she's been banished. And so she's been plotting for a long time now. And so why, why hasn't she gone after any of the other sisters? Maybe she did. And they were just too smart. Uh, maybe. I guess. I don't know. Maybe they could read. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just a, a little thing that kind of bothered me like I feel like she, she's had a lot of time to do this and the fact that she went after Ariel it seems like it's her first try and she's just like that one I want that one uh, the next note I have is it cannot be safe to fire fireworks off of a boat that's true I on the way we we do see uh the first museum we get my first view of the museum and the part of your world uh song yeah and like we learned that she is just like in love with human stuff we talked about this already yeah uh but i do want to say like it's really interesting uh caroline said that this was like edgy and banned and like it's bad and i think like we should really like delve into why it's bad for why like why are humans banned and the reason is because 
humans all eat fish. Yeah. <laughs> like they're at, they're like they're literally the enemy <laughs> of the people of the sea. Yeah. But and so like they don't eat human mermaids. shit and human culture is like banned for a really good reason. Yeah. They like they eat them. They don't eat <laughs> the so, mermaids. Like, Exactly, exactly. So Ariel is, like, coming from a place of extreme privilege yeah. in, like, being interested in humans because, like, she's one of the only sea creatures who won't be eaten by them. Like, Flounder couldn't have this weird obsession. Like, Sebastian couldn't have this weird obsession <laughs> because they're both going to be, like, like eaten, like, yeah. by, the, by the people. Um like they're natural enemies but because ariel is sort of like upper class yeah well she's a she's a, a human or half human yeah. so like she's able to like be a part of that yeah but she, but she, she wants to be part of the in, evil world in, in the mermaid her, kingdom like, she is uh she's definitely the upper class by being a mermaid sure uh yeah like so in that that regard yes i agree that she she is definitely coming from the privileged side of things and not so much caring about the consequences for the peons um i think that that's an interesting point i hadn't thought about it uh like so that was something that i, I was thinking <laughs> about during that scene <laughs> that's a really weird thing to think about but i like it uh the next yeah. note that i have is uh I, well i said the thing about fireworks i think that's a big big thing that i wish that they um would be more careful with uh, no, it's true. I actually thought during, like when that came on, I was like, "Oh, I remember that there was a fire on the boat," and I was like, "Oh, I probably like there's gonna be like the fire from these dumb fireworks. That's st fucking stupid." Yeah, it's a wooden but boat. No. <laughs> actually, uh, the wooden boat starts on fire because Eric is so fucking hot. Yeah, caliente. <laughs> Do you know uh, that Eric could have been played? by none other than Mr. Jim Carrey. He auditioned for the role. <laughs> wow, that would be different. Yeah. So I've got I've got two more of those that you're going to love. <laughs> so from now on, part one, I want you to think of Eric from now on in a Jim Carrey voice. Uh, that's part one. I've got two more parts to go. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So we, we learned that he's a prince, um, and he just hasn't found the right girl yet. Yep. But she, he knows she's out there, uh, and that it's gonna hit her, hit him like lightning, and then lightning strikes. Suddenly, the boat lightning and. <laughs> uh, the fireworks explode. He like falls to the bottom of the like he falls into the water and gets saved by none other than Ariel. Right. And somehow Flounder manages to get that big ass statue by himself into this tiny little cove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I wanna before we do that, okay. I actually really, really, really wanna talk about the scene where like the where the classic wave scene so where like she's like yeah. singing to eric after she saves him um which is weird because eric's like unconscious and, and she's just singing to him but whatever and then she goes into the the sea and she starts singing at, as he's walking away i don't know how i don't know when something you know no, whatever. the other way around 
I don't know when, I don't know how, but I know something's happening right now. Anyway, this, this made me think about why we got these, these movies. Like the, the reason why, so this is the start of what's like Josh has alluded to like the next five movies have been like, were really good. And this is the start of what's called the Disney Renaissance. Right. Um, which starts in 1989 with Little Mermaid, and most people say it ends around 1999 with uh, Tarzan. Um, Others say Mulan, but yeah. So yeah, exactly. There's there's an argument about when it ends. You could say uh, 1998. You could say 1999 with Tarzan. Uh, the, it, but in any case, the reason how it sort of begins is Disney starts taking on instead of the sort of classical musical that it, it did in the past, it sort of takes on this very, like, strong Broadway musical yes. feel. Most definitely. Um, so, like, this is, like, where you start to see, like, scenes and, like, songs that are, like, written from a Broadway style. And that's what, like, we are, like, obviously fanboys of Alan Menken. He is a, like, he is a master of this. Um, yeah. Of creating this, like, this Broadway feel in like an animated film um and that is really what brought on you know like the next beauty of the beast and lion king and like all of these films that follow hunchback are hunchback of notre dame holy cow oh my exactly God. <laughs> talk about uh, broadway music man pocahontas <laughs> like all of these like all of these excellent movies uh are just like straight up like broadway musicals and yeah the reason and like that is clear because they were able to very 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 well be adapted to broadway musicals uh in like the 2000s later yeah, on Yeah, little right? mermaid would get uh, adapted in 2004 i think yeah somewhere around that area and lion king not too long after that yeah um so like this is just like this scene made me like really feel the Broadway scene. Like it felt like a Broadway musical. Like she's like looking at the audience even. Like it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And this this movie in particular really was the start of that. Um we hadn't really gotten that um sense of Broadway music in Disney movies up until this movie. And um I really think it is this combination of of um these two wonderful music composers they they really do the job um better than anyone else in disney history because as we can see over the next few years they they just demolish it man they they set the bar way higher than anybody else had ever done it and they're still like alan menken at least is still very much still working with uh disney yeah uh, and alan menken is also now doing stuff for broadway as well yeah so I mean, there's there's a lot to go on with this movie, and that's why this was one of the first ones to get best original song, best original score for a really long time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, I, I think that that's. I mean, you're right, absolutely. At the the thing that I have with this scene though is she's like belting. She she she's singing, man. <laughs> how how is it that neither Grimsby? nor Eric, Jim Carrey Eric, Jim Carrick, uh, how, how is it that neither of them is able to see or hear her belting out from this rock? It's not that far away. Um, uh, 
Because... I mean, they're shocked, sure. <laughs> uh, Eric... Eric still has seaweed in his ears, and Grimsby is old. All he has to do is shake it out like... <laughs> uh, I, you, whatever. You know, it's, it's just a little thing, but it bothered me. Uh, we move on. We get back to the, the bottom. Sebastian goes and tells Triton. Um, and After the Under the Sea song. Y- yeah. And so uh, Triton gets mad, goes to her hoarding house, and destroys all this stuff. But before I want you to picture this scene, this is part two, and I know you'll like this one. Oh boy. I want you to imagine this scene performed by none other than Sir Patrick Stewart. What? Yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart turned down the role of Triton because it interfered with Star Trek 1987. Damn! <laughs> can, no! can you imagine Triton? That is awful! <laughs> oh man, that's fucking awful! I could... That would be the best! Right? Oh, I can't even like form complete sentences right now. This is amazing! <laughs> Oh man, what a world we have lost! <laughs> yeah, that would have been amazing. I agree. When I read that, I I cried a little bit. Oh shit! Oh well, I guess I guess it just was not meant to be. Yeah. Well, it's Star Trek. Star Trek was worth it. Like Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, it's true. Is totally worth it. It would have been good, but it's 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 better this way. <laughs> uh, so. Patrick Stewart, Triton, uh, goes in into this cave and starts blowing stuff up, and her hoarding is like, my trash, no! Um, so <laughs> that, that's like a really funny scene to me, imagining it as trash, and she's a hoarder. Um, the dad is just doing a job, man. He, he's helping out. Yeah, so like from his point of view, like, again, they're literally <laughs> the enemy, and you want to, like, those people eat our people, and you love him. This is bad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. So, so base, after this scene, Ursula basically sees her chance. She knows, well, like, she's sad now, so I can kind of, t- like, come in here. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the eels are like, oh, you poor unfortunate soul. Uh, the sea witch can help you. And she's like, no, I couldn't. Yes, I will. Uh, which is pretty great. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really... Uh, this this upcoming scene is, like, just the best. They This is, like, such an awesome scene. Uh, it is. Uh, I Mainly because Ursula. Ursula is just... Yeah, she's super badass. And... Yeah. Um, a lot of... Actually, a lot of... I read that a lot of the, the stuff that she says in this song is ad-libbed. Like the what? a lot of like the spoken things in between the lines are just ad libbed because she she was having trouble getting into the character and they were like be as sassy as you possibly fucking can and she I like that <laughs> she was like okay no problem I will ad lib a bunch of stuff in here that's awesome did you know that she is uh based on a do you know who she's based on I'm just I'll ask it as a question no I don't. 
She's based on the drag queen Divine. Huh. I know. Uh, I mean, big I, white hair. I guess I can yeah. see it. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Um. Um. <laughs> and so, like, this like kind of brings me to an interesting thing that I have seen in general on Disney villains. Okay. Okay. So, like, in general, Disney villains do this thing where, like, if they are a female Disney villain, then they have sort of, like, masculine qualities. So, like, you think of, like, Malevolent, Malevolent, Maleficent, who is, like, Maleficent, thank you, (laughs) who has, like, very, like, sharp features and no hair. Yeah. And then you have, like, uh, you have, like, uh, Corella Deville, who has like this like you know short hair and she's like very like uh like there's there's no, like besides the way she dresses there's nothing particularly like effeminate about her right sure and like like classically effeminate about her and so like you have on the other side the male the male villains you have like are like often seen as like prissy or like like they're like created to be like um so like you think of like captain hook long like flowing locks and you think of like uh um you think of uh what's his name in pocahontas like he's like very like okay yeah like prim and like he wants everything to be a specific way and so like i find that very interesting like that like there's this like sort of role reversal thing that's going on with disney villains maybe, that maybe I think, just during uh, this time period maybe but like you've got gaston who's not especially effeminate oh no that's true like sometimes they go quite the other way and just go hardcore on the sexism and uh (laughs) but i do think that like there is something to this where like they're they're otherizing uh certain sort of like if you're outside of the the like what we expect for gender norms then you are the other and therefore a villain kind of thing yeah I, i can see that I find that kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this scene is really interesting, though, because we we see her really working, very much working the drag queen side of things, like the, the like, um, or not so much, I, I guess also the, think of it like, uh, like the, the soulful kind of mama character, almost, that she's like, mm-hmm. uh, Come on, sweetie, just get in there. Uh, I like, I really, I like her character a lot, but specifically in this song because she's so sassy, uh, and, and she's got obviously she has ulterior motives. Like she, she's not being genuine at all. Yeah, I love the line where she's like, uh, "In order to get out, you need, uh, you need him to fall in love you with you." Which means he has to kiss you. I think that is a pretty uh, <laughs> pretty great line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she she signs the thing, which is silly because if she can write again, that's kind of a big plot point. Uh, yeah. But she signs the thing and is transformed by uh, Ursula into a human and mm-hmm. her voice goes into the nautilus shell and this is the the point that i want to bring up or the, the little bit of backstory that i want to tell you that i read uh is her nautilus shell 
is the equivalent of Triton's trident. Um, when Poseidon died, the two of them were supposed to rule together, and each of them was given a token of power. Um, ti- huh. Triton is, was given the trident, and uh, Ursula was given the Nautilus shell. But she became greedy and overwhelmed with power, and so she was banished. Whoa. Yep. So, like, did she do anything specific, or, like, did she, like... She tried to steal the Triton. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be bad. That's not fair. Right. Uh, So, with that, we move along. Um, She turns into a human, and the bubble, bubble breaks, and she is, like, floating to the surface. And, for the record... Should have died. Yeah, she sh- totally should have died. She would have gotten the bends and died. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... Definitely should not be alive. W- w- I think Ursula was trying to kill her. We're, we're just gonna skip right <laughs> past that. Um, they go along. Uh, she comes back to the surface somehow and manages to get towards land. Um, and uh, Scuttle shows up. The other thing that I would have said is... She could have just, even if she could, couldn't could write, she could have just been like, it's bronchitis when Eric was like, you can't talk. Instead of just assuming that she she's like, completely mute, she could have been like, I've got bronchitis. Uh, well, how could, how could she have done that? Pointed to her throat and been like, I've got bronchitis. Or, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe coughed. Try coughing. Uh... Yeah. Like, I've got a sore throat. I can't talk right now. Uh, anyway, whatever. It's not not a big deal. Uh, did you notice, though, when they go into... Um, they go into the palace, and one of the, the pictures on the wall strikes a surprisingly close resemblance to uh, uh, Prince Philip and Aurora? Really? Yeah. I don't know if you no, noticed, see that. but like one of the pic- no. yeah, it, it looks very very close, and so a lot of people say that uh, Prince Eric is related to Prince Philip, um, like a cousin or something. Like maybe his son or something. Yeah, I was thinking a cousin, grandson. Okay, isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, I mean that would be really cool. I, it would make, uh, I guess, Hercules and. Uh, uh, maybe Aurora, cousins-in-law, second cousins-in-law. Um, I don't know. It'd be cool. Uh, I'd be, I'd be into it. <laughs> We've got a bit of a time problem there, but whatever. Um, so, uh, the next thing that I have written down was the uh, Les Pochons scene. The, the chef. Yes! Okay. <laughs> But we, I, and I, I love this scene. It's one of my very favorite scenes Mine in the movie. Too. But before we do, Absolutely. we would be remiss if we didn't. So, our friend Heidi Yao, uh, who is also Yao, uh, Cameron Yao's wife, uh, uh, is always good for a great rant about Ariel's like bright red hair and how they always dress her in pink. <laughs> yeah like she's always mad about this and i love this rant uh at some point we will definitely have heidi on and we will ask her to rant because it's i will not do it justice but the point <laughs> is that like 
Uh, apparently, like they like, clash or something, and pink and red hair, pink dress yeah, and red hair, do. and then pink nightgown and the red hair is like bad and doesn't really highlight her best features. But sometimes, but for whatever reason, they do it anyway. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. true, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess I just had never thought about it. Whatever. Les poissons, les poissons, he he ha ha Yeah, I this song. My God, I, I literally, I laughed through this entire scene. For no one, I will never be as happy in my entire life as this man is <laughs> just doing his job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I love this scene so much. He, he is just having a blast, and he's like, I, I put this salt in because it makes it taste nice. <laughs> I, I, I love it so much. Uh, and then when he, he does like, find he's like out dancing, about he's throwing food into the pot. <laughs> he's like, he's got like seven dishes going at once, and he's like, no big deal. Like he is, he just loves his job. He's singing happy, and then he turns on a dime to extreme anger and throws everything his entire like his entire kitchen into ruins i was losing it man i just lost it i was dying so much because like especially when she comes into the room and he's like everything is just destroyed because of this one little crab he's he's so happy and then he just lost it It, it's the it ones really, really great. Yeah, it's the ones that you don't expect, <laughs> the ones that seem happy that have the biggest anger issue. <laughs> like, and then he, like she, he's like ducking under a table when she comes in. It's like I'm gonna get you, you little bastard. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just loved it so, so much. Oh God, I love that scene. Yeah, that's that's my favorite <laughs> song in the movie. Like, really, 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 my favorite song in the movie, just because it's so funny. Um. It it is definitely a, like we talked on a, a few episodes about like how like side plots are really bad in a lot of times. So like in like Fox and the Hound or in like um, the Aristocats, how yeah. the side plots were like just not that great. In this movie, the side plot is fucking hilarious. I want a whole and, movie like, about this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I would yes. pay good money to see. A movie about this guy um i well and like the the other the thing that i noticed about this scene too is that like he seems to hold a lot of resentment for this crab even later on and i just i love it so much i i have to he, he's my spirit animal <laughs> patronus but yeah yeah whatever uh anyway we, we we continue on yada 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 uh there's uh like the scenes he's looking at him out the window very romeo and juliet like um and we we kind of skip along i want to skip all the the ooey gooey romance but before I, I we skip all of it the the scene where they're singing um the the sha la la la's um what's the song um it's kiss the girl oh yeah kiss the girl when they're singing that song beforehand scuttle does the the wow 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 um and you guys talked about it in the interview but did you know 
my last piece of trivia that I wrote down. Did you know that he's actually squawking Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet? Oh, no. Yeah, he is. Weird, right? Weird. I also really like that, like, Sebastian has been, like, fucking babysitting this whole movie, and he finally gets to do his damn job and be a composer, (laughs) and he leans in so hard. He's born for this. He literally commands the wind to start blowing. Yeah. It's ridiculous. (laughs) You know, it would be amazing if he got to be a composer. Like, that's what what he should do when he grows up. If only he could do that. Yeah, it's it's like that. somebody should pay him to do that, like a job. Uh, Anyway, uh, they get so close. They almost kiss, and the eels drop the boat, and so they they are all wet and and, and, uh, holding each other up to to stay up, and for some reason, don't kiss then. Yeah, the moment's gone, right? It has to be perfect. It has to be just perfect. but, but, But they're all, like, wet and, like, holding each other and, like... They don't kiss then. Yeah, that's the moment in a... I'm in saying a, it's more sexy now. That's the moment in a rom-com where the, the boat tips <laughs> over and they're, like, holding each other and laughing and kiss anyway. Uh, exactly. I, I really... I, th- I think you're right. I think that's how it should have gone. And then we have a whole different movie because she... <laughs> Ursula just fucking loses. Um, I love that Ursula... <laughs> Ursula's like, damn, that girl's good. She really knows how to work what she's working with. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that... Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't have anything else up until the point of Ursula... Or rather, um, the the thing with them going to the wedding. Oh, yeah. Well, so, like, yeah, Ariel wastes, like, the entire third day just waiting for the wedding. Uh, <laughs> doesn't yeah. do anything for the entire day. Like, from the time she wakes up until sunset, she's just kind of, like, hanging out, sobbing and moping. But then decides that she wants to do something when there's, like, five minutes left. Uh, So they stall the wedding. Uh, Meanwhile, Ursula kicks the dog. Fucker. (laughs) She's like... (laughs) She is an asshole. Don't kick dogs, everybody. I want to re-emphasize just how much strength Flounder has. Because... We saw him carry a statue before, and now he's carrying <laughs> Ursula in enough speed to catch up to a boat by himself, above Carrier. water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Flounder is a badass. Flounder's a badass. Um, so, a lot has been said about the priests, uh, the old priests erect penis during this scene. Uh, we're not going to litigate all of that, but we will say we are uh, happy that that man can still get it up uh, at his old age. Yep, absolutely. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, all, all the stuff about um, the, the seals coming up and Max biting her ass and uh, then... And they break the Nautilus. Yeah, they, they break the spell. They break the shell. Um, she gets her voice back, and then they spend this really long time to, to like, oh my god, it's you. Yes, it's me. Tell me about your day. Okay. Uh, just fucking kiss Today her. I sat and cried for you for about four, 14 hours. <laughs> Why don't you just fucking kiss her? <laughs> 
Well, he doesn't know. She does. Well, she knows. She... So you just fucking kiss him. Exactly. What? It's just it. It felt like a wasted moment, and suddenly Ursula wins. Yep, and that's the end of the movie, folks. Yeah. Uh, okay. My my next issue. Uh, it's not so much an issue. Uh, I've got an issue, but at first I I have a a really funny thing that happened. She said she she pulls er, uh, Ariel back over the edge, and she's like, "I've got bigger fish to fry." Uh, 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 I liked it. I thought it was a good fish pun. Uh, yeah. But no, my my issue <laughs> is that uh, Tri- Triton shows up, and he's like, "Just oh, you let go of my daughter," and she's like, "I have this legal document." And nobody can touch it, not even you, because it's a legal binding document. Are there fish lawyers? Are there? Did she have a notary public present? Because as far as I'm concerned, that is not a legal document. And even if it was a legal a, document, there are no fish lawyers. It's a magic contract, Josh. No, there are no fish lawyers. It's a magic contract. There's not lawyers for magic contracts. She didn't say magic. She said it is a legal binding document. She sold her soul to the fish witch. That's the that's the that's the thing. Well, I think they should take it to fish appeals. <laughs> He's literally the okay, whatever. He's the <laughs> king. Like if there's appeals court, he would just be able to like stack the court. Exactly. It's it. it if it's a legal binding document and you're the ruler of the country, then just say no. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, okay. I feel like the, the political <laughs> process was lost. Um, so, uh, blah blah blah. He takes her place. They, um, she she gets control of the trident. Um, uh, imagine though. I want you to imagine if she had gotten the trident and still had the nautilus shell um i think we would have had an entirely different thing come up because then she would have even been more powerful uh yeah yeah, yeah. but luckily that broke and now she's got the trident uh and so the next thing that i have is eric should have totally died um because of the like three times yeah yeah <laughs> uh and also he can hold his breath really well um, and also hold his head from exploding because of the pressure. Uh, yep. So that's pretty cool. And then the next thing I have is that Eric kills a god with a big broken ship. Um, Fuck yeah, he does. He lots of electricity. Just kills a regular god. god. Kill, kills the the child of Poseidon with a pointy ship. <laughs> Oh man, Eric's good at things. Yeah, it's it's, it's got to be vampire rules, right? Yeah, it's gotta, obviously, and Buffy rules at that because she he doesn't have to hit her exactly in the heart, just somewhere in the general heart region. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, he kills a god with a pointy ship, um, and then they are victorious. They win. Um, yeah. So Triton sees that like. Ariel's on the beach, like, pining after Eric, who's also alive. Uh, and he's like, I guess the only thing left to do is 
The only problem left is how much I'll miss her. Oh. And he changes her into a human. Uh, you know, he'll miss her, but it's cool because she's 16 and can make awesome decisions for herself about what type of being she's going to be and she's going to go and live in a different universe but Triton can come and see her sometimes because people are now going to be friends with the people of the land yeah just and imagine Thanksgiving <laughs> the very first royal decree clearly is going to be no more seafood <laughs> yeah you can't can't eat fish no more fish all, all of the, all the humans up there you guys have to lick algae off of rocks <laughs> licking algae off of rocks we're gonna all be as josh so eloquently put it crunchy vegan mer people <laughs> <laughs> and human people and human if you people. guys need uh if you guys need some pasteurized cheese we've got it down at the bottom of the ocean in our pasteurized fucking cheese man <laughs> in our all cheese is pasteurized <laughs> in our uh in our our cool little uh, uh under the sea whole foods <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> Can I offer you a cliff bar? Josh's actual life is like <laughs> vegetables are like 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 pepperoni, right? Like that's what that's what I should be eating for veggies. <laughs> hey man. That's the Italian in us. Uh so okay, yeah, obviously holidays are going to be a disaster from here on. Uh they are going to have to travel to the bottom of the ocean to have turkey dinner. But they they are all happy. They they get their way. Uh, and then the scene with um, the chef and Sebastian again. Uh, he's like throwing the knife um, at Sebastian. And it's very Tom and Jerry. It, like, I really, I really like their whole thing. Even, it, even before, yeah. it was very Tom and Jerry. Um, I I can't help but love that guy. All right, I think we can call this an episode, man. I feel like we did this thing justice. I think so. Uh, with that, uh, real quick, Tony, um, what uh, what do you wanna what do you wanna watch next week? Oh shoot, uh, we haven't really talked about it. Um, not on top of our shit. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and propose something uh, more on the serious side slash super fun side. So we've already done 2016's Moana. I think we should also do 2016's Zootopia. Okay. Uh, Marie and I were talking about it this weekend. It is like the most like anti-racist Disney movie and maybe most anti-racist kids movie like ever made. And it is so good. Uh, and it would definitely be a fun thing to talk about. Okay, yeah, Zootopia, that's a good one. Uh, so keep your eye out for the next episode, which is going to be Zootopia. Uh, the other thing, we want to remind you how to get in touch with us, and so make sure to follow us on Facebook at Front Porch Disney. Uh, comment, like, sub uh, follow us on Facebook, all that stuff. And also share, try and get your friends involved. Uh, you can follow us on iTunes, you can follow us on SoundCloud, you can find us on Twitter, at Front Porch Disney, you can find me, Josh Whitehead, uh, at Front Porch Josh. And you can find me at Front Porch Tony. And we will see you next time. Tony, sing us out. Sha-la-la-la-la-la, don't be scared. You
got the mood prepared. Go on and kiss the girl. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time.